is for danger and uh dodge with monster help love me and be please help yeah <laughs> After five seasons, they should expect five years left. of this shit, and we're still stupid. <laughs> That's not going to change. Welcome <laughs> back to the Is for Podcast. <laughs> Tonight is letter B, and B is for Bill and Ted. I, I cannot talk about uh, William or Theodore without my fellow hosts. Sarge, <laughs> how are you tonight? I'm good. And Monster, how are you? Satisfactory. Satisfactory. Well, I mean, it's better than bad. So, you know. But all right. Are you guys ready to go on an excellent or bogus journey or adventure? I'm ready to face the music. Okay. All right. That was a good one. That, that, yeah, that was a good thank one. That was a- I was going to say the best place was here. The best place was here? The best place is here. What is that? I don't. It's a Bill and Ted quote. I, I'm sorry. Is it? I I don't know that quote. I've seen Bill and Ted a few times, and I've only seen Face the Music once. But I, uh, I've, I, I don't know this. Okay. All right. So, we are just off it. to a roaring start. All right. Oh. So let's start at the beginning. So the franchise Bill and Ted were created by Chris Matheson and Ed Solomon. Now. Chris Matheson was the son of Richard Matheson, who wrote I Am Legend. Oh, I uh, wanted to throw that out there. Yes, I've read several Richard Matheson books. He's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So, William S. Preston Esquire and Ted Theodore Logan. Yes. So, it's William Bill S. Preston Esquire. Bill in quotations because Bill is short for William for whatever reason. And then his name is Ted Theodore Logan. So I always thought Ted was short for Theodore already. So, all right. We know they're portrayed by Alex Winter and Keanu Reeves. And they are immortal. the immortal Keanu Reeves. The immortal Keanu Reeves, yes. Based all around the two metalhead slackers who travel through time while trying to fulfill their destiny to establish a utopian society and a universe with their music. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure came out in 1989, and Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey came out in 1991, and then we jump all the way to 2020, 2020 for Bill and Ted Face the Music. The series has actually been mainly produced by Scott Korf. Now, Mr. Korf and Matheson and Solomon are the only three for many people, every movie is directed by somebody different. So it is set in 1988 in San Dimas, California. Sarge, do you remember the name of Bill and Ted's band? Oh, um. Right. Oh my Monster, gosh. Do you? Yeah. The Wild Stallions. Right. That's Wild right. Stallions. Now, Not to be confused with the Lone Rangers, no. which was a different. Different movie different altogether. <laughs> but I always confuse the two different movies sometimes. But do you know what the Lone Rangers had that the Wild Stallions didn't? Brendan Fraser? A drummer. That's true. I, I always That's thought true. it was funny that the Wild Stallions were a band, but they were just two it's, guys playing guitar. It's, it, as a musician, I can tell you it's tough to be a three-piece it's really tough to be a duo. <laughs> well, I mean, ask local H. 
Because of their ambitions and attitudes, they are about to fail out of high school, threatening to break the band up forever because um, it was uh, Bill's father that wanted to send him off to military school so he could pass. So not knowing that their music was going to the, be the basis for a utopian society in the future. The leaders of this society send Rufus, who was played by, does anybody know? George Carlin. That's right, the late, the great late George Carlin. But he was sent back in time to help Bill and Ted pass school to make sure of the future, and he gives them a time machine. Do you guys know what the time machine was? Phone booth. Phone booth. That's right. Not so, to be confused with the TARDIS from Doctor Who. Totally different. Yep. All right, and I will get to that in just a minute. <laughs> oh, well, excuse I, I me. Prom I promise you this. So, all right. Later films, such as Bogus, uh, focus on breaking the band up. And so their, uh, their music will never lead to the utopian society. All right. So let's just talk about the first film specifically. That was just kind of overall of all the films. All right. So Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure came out in 1989, even though it was based in... Uh, set in 1988. It was directed by Stephen Herrick. And on a budget of $10 million, do you know how much it made? It was the best grossing of all three of the films. If I had to guess, I would say like $30 million. Sarge? I would say it took a loss because it later became a cult classic. Nope. The Most first, cult classics do take a loss. The first one actually made $40 million on a $10 million budget. Yep. Alex Winter was one of the people that auditioned for Ted, but he was later cast as Bill. <laughs> and then Keanu auditioned for Bill, but later was was cast as Ted. Now They're the same dude. Who gives a shit? <laughs> they're not. They're not, actually, because Bill Bill, if you if you go back and you watch, Bill kind of leads the pack. Ted just kind of follows along with what Bill is saying, what Bill wants to do. It it's true. Just go back and watch the movies. I guess, but I I feel like okay. I'll give you an example, like Beavis and Butthead, for example. Yeah, that's a similar duo. They're kind of slackers that are kind of lovable in a certain kind of way. And over the course of several years, you get to know these characters and their idiosyncrasies and what actually kind of tells them apart. But with Bill and Ted, you've got essentially two films and then a third one way, way, way later. You don't have enough time with these two dudes to really differentiate. They're, I, I don't know. Like, I always thought they were just kind of the, more of the same. There, there's not a whole lot of difference between them. That's fair. Black hair and blonde hair. <laughs> they, they are kind of the same, but they are two different characters. So, all right. Bill. Let's talk about Bill S. Preston Esquire, which I always felt like the Esquire. Does anybody actually know what Esquire is in a name? Googling. Googling. All right. Well, I think I it's sort of like a, a junior, senior thing. Like it's some sort of like family lineage thing. Uh, maybe. I don't know. I, after Esquire, I always expect like attorney at law. So I, I don't know. Sorry. In addition to Alex Winter, we had Sean Penn. River Phoenix and Brandon Fraser all audition for Bill. 
what did I just say? The difference between the Lone Rangers and the Wild Stallions was Brendan Fraser. And it could have been, he could have been in both. He could have, he could have been the Maynard James Keenan of this movie franchise. <laughs> All right. Okay. So, so uh, according to the Oxford Dictionary, Esquire is a title appended to a lawyer's surname or a young nobleman who, in training for knighthood, acted as an attendant to a knight. And Bill is neither one of those. True. But his dad was on, like, the city council or something, right? Yeah, but he's not a lawyer, though. Yeah, I guess not. Fair enough. I mean, that would that that would be like your dad being a doctor, and then you put MD after your name with no medical training. Yeah, I guess so. But I mean, yeah, see, I'm right. I feel like what's going to stop name, me? I feel like after your name, you got a BS, and it's not for brain surgeon. So, all right. The only other person that was considered for uh, for Ted or Bill, you know, uh, the the roles got switched around, but was Polly Shore. So Ugh. we could have had a Polly Shore as Ted. No, thank God it didn't happen. I yep. hate Polly Shore. Yeah. So same. Keanu was one of the first to audition for the role, and Herrick, the director, just like right away said that's that's our guy, and looked at a few other people just for the sake of doing it, but pretty much spent the rest of 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 casting trying to find the other part, the other counterpart. So they auditioned between 200 and 300 actors for the two main together, two main roles. Um, so there were 24 other actors that were called back in addition to Reeves, but none of them really had good chemistry with Reeves until Alex Winter showed up on a motorcycle and they got to talking in the, uh, the, the holding room, the waiting room, whatever, and they found out that they got a lot in common. Motorcycles, bass guitar, and so forth and so on. And the quick rapport that was built between them is what led to them getting the title roles. So, it's a long-standing urban legend that Reeves auditioned to Bill for Bill and Winter auditioned for Ted. According to Winter, the story emerged because the characters are so similar that even he and Reeves sometimes became confused about who was who. So... The thing is, I'm that, not wrong. The, the thing is, is that <laughs> they there is an urban legend that they auditioned for the other, but they auditioned for their roles, but they were cast in the reverse and only found it when they showed up. When Reeves showed up for costume fitting, and then um, Alex Winters was already there, and he was like, "What are you? What are you doing?" <laughs> so, can can I take us off on a little bit of a tangent, real quick, about Alex Winter? That's part of the course. Okay, I don't know if this is going to come up later, so I really wanted to bring it up now. Alex Winter sort of kind of dropped out of the game after a few years. Keanu Reeves continued to do movies, and you know he's got his band Dogstar and all that stuff. But have you ever seen the movie Freaked? Yes, actually, that was one of the things I was about to say. Is okay. I I just wanted to make sure you were going to bring up Freaked because I, God, that movie's cool. That is a fun movie. I wasn't, it's not in my notes to bring up, but I kind of figured it would come up because I figured at some point, one of you would say that Alex would have kind of dropped off the map. And that's the thing. He didn't drop off the map. He stopped acting. Right. He's been producing and directing and stuff, but uh, he was actually a, 
major like input, you know, driving force or whatever had major input on Liquid TV on MTV yes. before. Which I remember we talked leaving, about that. Yep, which ended up leaving to the movie Freaked. But yeah, uh, Alex Winter hasn't disappeared. He's been around. No. And he's been he and Reeves have been good friends for since Bill and Ted. So as as a fan of weird movies, horror movies, and practical effects, Freaked is really cool. Like if you like that 90s practical effects kind of look, Freaked has some really neat stuff going on. That one's fun. Oh yeah, no, it's in in the world of practical effects, it's it's a good one. So, yeah. All right. George Carlin, who was Rufus. So the role of Rufus was not established when filming started. Their character of Rufus was a different character altogether. But Winter described getting George Carlin as kind of a happy accident. So Herrick said that they the intention was actually to have Eddie Van Halen play the character. But, you know, Eddie Van Halen, they couldn't get him. So they went for other people to that they could, you know, fit into the budget. And so the short list of people that they had on hand was Ringo Starr, Robert Daltrey, Sean Connery, Charlie Sheen. And then they realized that none of those people were comedians. And while they some of them were musicians and some of them could hold their own, none of them were comedians and didn't have the right timing. So the producer, Scott Knopf, had just finished filming Outrageous Fortune that co-starred George Carlin. And so then he was like, hey, do you want to come play this role? It's like, yeah, yeah, sure, I'll do it. What's interesting about that, though, is if you go back and watch George Carlin, he's not giving a comedic performance. He's very straight. Yeah, it is a timing thing. And I... Not that he does a poor job or anything, um, but I almost feel like Eddie Van Halen would have like kind of played into the the silliness of the film better. So, because of the low budget, they couldn't get Eddie Van Halen. They had to get somebody else. You know, sure. I think Eddie Van Halen's uh, fee was the film, was the budget. <laughs> so, all right. The only other person of note in the movie, as far as the cast goes was Jane Wideland, I think is how you pronounce your last name. She Joan of Arc. The go-go bassist. Go-go's, yeah. Yeah, she was Joan of Arc. All right. So, the screenplay that was written, well, the screenplay was written in 1987. And it was based on a comedy stand-up routine that Ed Sullivan and Chris Matheson had in college. And it was actually originally called uh, Bill and Ted and Bob. But Bob, the character that played Bob in the stand-up routine, didn't want it. And so they just pretty much dropped Bob from it altogether. So in a 91 interview um, with Solomon, Bill and Ted were actually originally supposed to be 14-year-old skinny guys with lowrider bell bottoms and heavy metal t-shirts. And they were not supposed to be the cool guys at school. But then they cast um, Keanu... And Alex and they were like, we can't make these guys not cool. <laughs> and so then the characters Bill and Ted got developed. All right, sounds like uh, Eddie from uh, Stranger Things. Yep. Kind yeah, of- for sure. All right, the original script was called Bill and Ted's Time Van. 
I, I heard about that. It was originally supposed to be a van, yes. But because of Back to the Future, they right. didn't want to use a vehicle. Yeah, I, I, I don't know the details, but I heard something about that. And so they they changed it from the van to the phone booth. Ju- and and everybody swears they had no idea about the TARDIS and the, from Doctor Strange. They had no oh, I'm idea. sure. Everybody That's like, not a what the TARDIS. The from who from Doctor Who? <laughs> yes, <laughs> you said Doctor Strange. You said Doctor Strange. That's okay. what. Yes, you did. Maybe I heard like Doctor, Doctor Who. But... Maybe it's because I like Doctor Strange more than Doctor Who. I don't like Doctor Who. So okay, the plot that was changed from the movie was they borrowed the van from their 28-year-old friend Rufus. So the character Rufus existed before, but he wasn't the the character that we, we ended up getting. And while driving the van, and I could not find what happened, they end up in Nazi Germany. And they bring back Adolf Hitler to present oh. day. Oh. <laughs> and then yeah. and they go on picking up historical figures. <laughs> There's this scene with like a tunnel and Eli Roth comes out with a baseball bat. It was a very different film. So needless to say, this was problematic. (laughs) Yeah, because, you know, Nazis. Yeah. Anytime Nazis are involved, there's a problem. (laughs) All right. So Hitler was swapped out with Napoleon. And that's why in the movie they get Napoleon first and then bring it back, which actually in the movie... There's the whole thing about how Napoleon uh, goes to Waterloo. And the water park is called the Waterloo. And in French, at that time, the P was pronounced as an O, and so he read it as Waterloo. And so it made sense to him to go to that theme park. So um, there's actually a lot of little, small, really smart things all throughout the movie, whether they are intentional or not. They are there. We've talked about this on other shows, uh, other episodes about shows that are kind of dumb or, you know, whatever, that are actually a lot smarter than they get credit mm-hmm. for. You know, sure. like when we talked about Beavis and Butthead, you know, there's all kinds of subtext and co- social commentary and stuff. And underneath this very simple comedy about two slackers time traveling, it's smarter than it looks. Now, some of the plot holes as far as time travel goes, you could drive that van they originally had through those plot holes. A hundred percent. But agreed. Know, when whenever it comes to a time travel movie, I think you have to kind of suspend, you know, disbelief and whatnot and just kind of roll with the punches and just let it be what it is. You know, you're gonna ruin your you're gonna ruin the good time if you try to find the plot holes and figure out, you know, where it went wrong. So all right. Two historical figures that they originally were supposed to bring back, but they didn't, were Charlemagne, who they called Charlie Mangy, and Babe Ruth. Which... I don't know why those were scrapped, but they were. Which, they do the Babe Ruth thing and face the music. Babe Ruth shows up and face the music. Well, he's not like a, a very important character, but I know he's in it. Right. So, all right. The original film was supposed to end with Bill and Ted giving their report in a small classroom and then going to the prom with the rescued princesses. The production team recognized that this was underwhelming and they created a larger auditorium presentation to give a better sense of scale and gave a light show and a more, which gave the dramatic ending, 
which I always thought was strange because I never recalled a report or anything given in school in an auditorium with an unscheduled perfect light show <laughs> and sound effects to go along with it and you know cue the fog and yeah I just thought it was always a little bit ridiculous but it was Bill and Ted it was already ridiculous before that so does anybody want to guess how long the original cut of this movie was mm. it came out to be 92 minutes so I, I bet it was a solid two hours it was two hours and 25 minutes long. The original cut. Could we you, call that a movie with the intermission. Could you imagine watching two and a half hours of Bill and Ted? Bill and Ted's I Excellent watched, Adventure, directed by Quentin Tarantino. There'd be a lot more feet. And I, I was forced. I was forced to go watch the theatrical pr premiere of the Titanic. And if I can sit through two and a half hours of Titanic, I can handle some I, slapstick Bill and Ted. I too saw Titanic in theaters, but I got to hold a girl's hand. So I was. Your mom doesn't count. My mom's not alive. No, I didn't stop. Whoa, <laughs> way to bring up the dead. Speaking of Titanic. <laughs> <laughs> she was she was when Titanic came out. That's true. She that's was, true. You got me there. You got me there. Oh. All right. <laughs> so. There was an entire filmed, lengthy, choreographed song number that would have started the movie with Bill and Ted uh, dancing and doing air guitar and all, but it just ended up getting cut altogether, which was probably the best move they could have done. Although probably. I, I would love to see that. I, I, I couldn't get my hands on it. I would love to see this uh, song and dance number with Keanu for sure. All right, so wrapping up the uh, the first movie, we're going to jump into Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey in 1991. All right, this one was directed by Pete Hewitt. Not of Hewitt Packard, but just Hewitt. Um, all right. Eat. So we had Keanu Reeves, Alex Winter, and George Carlin all come back. And this entire movie actually spoofs a movie called The Seventh Seal. Has it, have either one of you seen The Seventh Seal? I have not seen it, but it's on mm -hmm. one of those lists. Like, if you like avant-garde, weird films, Seventh Seal is always on there. It's it's on my list, but I have not seen it. I have no idea. I've never even heard of it, honestly. So, it's it's black and white. It's very... It has something to do with death, which is the connection there. Um it looks phenomenal. It, it has, you know, it's one of those films that critics say is incredible, but uh, yeah, I think it's one of those black and white avant-garde kind of films that might make a lot of people scratch their heads. Yeah, fair. Hmm. I will say that the second Bill and Ted movie had a lot more notable people. And I'm just, when I say a lot more, like one or two more, uh, Pam Greer was in it. Uh, I forget who she played. I didn't see anything about Pam Greer being it. I don't remember. And uh, the guy that played the Grim Reaper. Oh, I can see his face. William. I mean, we're, we'll we'll go through some. William Sadler. Yeah, William Sadler. The thing I remember, and I did watch a couple like clip things and stuff to kind of refresh my memory. The thing I remember most about 
uh, Bogus Journey was it had a little bit of this Tim Burton esque feel. Yeah, like mm-hmm. early 90s, kind of like Dutch angle, weird, surreal things that, you know, are more my speed. So those <laughs> angles and those shots and stuff were used to portray uh, where they went to hell and the weird um, nightmare sequences. Yeah, and stuff. yeah, it was, mm-hmm. it was it was put in certain places to portray that things were not quite right and all that. So the original movie was actually called Bill and Ted Go to Hell. Um, I have no idea I like if it's it. changed due to Jason Goes to Hell or or what, but it was yeah, Bill and Ted Go to Hell. So all right, quick run through of the plot. Um, in Bogus Journey, Chuck Demolos. De okay, um, basically a teacher of Rufus. <laughs> is- uh, real quick before you get started. Yeah, Jason Goes to Hell came out in 1993, okay. so I don't think that was a problem. Yeah, probably not. No, back in the it was it was back in the 90s when you couldn't have when everything was still like I don't want to say heavily censored, but still really family oriented, like. The names of movies. I think the first time I ever saw Hell in a movie title was like, was that From Hell with Johnny Depp? Well, we know Jason Goes to Hell came out in 93, so that was before From Hell, which wasn't okay. True. I said I remember. Early 2000s. I'm not a big Jason. Well, you were also in Hungry or something at that time, right? Turkey. Turkey. Close. Okay. You're in Europe. <laughs> From hell was 2001. If anyone cares, no, <laughs> no uh, I. It was weird how things were censored in the 80s and 90s because it was like things that should have obviously been censored were not, but then certain things were just butchered all to hell. And I think a lot of it was just kind of due to the uh, the thought that it was going to be more dangerous than it was. I don't know. When did the PG-13? rating come about oh the movie ratings that yeah. came out in like the 90s yeah uh 80s or 90s i can't i think it was the very 80s. late 80s because yeah. beetlejuice was 88 and it drops an f-bomb monster squad was 80 shit something like that around the same time and both of those are pgs that would 1000 percent be pg-13 by today's standards. Yeah. So, all right. <clears throat> Chuck. Nin- actually, 1968. The highest code of classical Hollywood cinema, the MPA, the movie rating system, was one of the various motion picture rating systems that were used to help parents decide what films were appropriate for the children. <laughs> Sorry, that was the train being derailed. Continue. Oh, yeah, no, the train derails all the time and just got to roll with it. So, all right. This guy in Rufus's uh, class, his teacher or something, um, he didn't like the utopia. And so he sends a robot, Bill and Ted, back in time to kill Bill and Ted and take their place. Those two robots were played by Bill and Ted. And (laughs) it's just evil versions of them. And that's when when it's stuff that has to do with them or looking through their eyes or their perspective, it's a little more tilted at that point at that, um, that juncture. So, okay. Bill and Ted are killed by the robots and they face the grim reaper played by 
William Sadler. William Sadler. Yep. All right. Uh, and I don't know if you guys remember, but they uh, challenged the Grim Reaper, challenged Death to uh, to games to get back to Earth, and so they played. I think it was every board game in history. <laughs> And beat him at every single one, and so he was forced to send them back to uh, to Earth, where they got to uh, go and take the place at Battle of the Bands of their evil counterparts, and they rescue the princesses who are engaged, uh, and they start their musical careers. So, that's the entire basis of the movie. All right, so Alex Winter came back, and he played um, regular, and uh, and evil Bill. In addition to Granny S. Preston, Keanu played himself, or played uh, Ted and Evil Ted, and then um, William Sadler as Death, but then also William Sadler w- played English Father in the movie. I don't remember this role. English Father, very generic English Father name. I don't know. All right. So, Frank Welker. Where we talked about Frank Welker before? Captain Yes, he he was a voice. Yeah, um, he's a voice actor. Yes, so he does the voices of Satan, the Easter Bunny, and <laughs> and Station. <laughs> so, yeah. okay, again, in the Station, same. the Easter Bunny. That is straight up Tim Burton, Pee Wee's Big Adventure nonsense. Like that is, I mm-hmm. that's the stuff that I like. All right, and also at the Battle of the Bands was Primus. Primus. <laughs> Primus I also like that. <laughs> Primus appeared as themselves at the Battle of the Bands. And then the uh, uh, lead guitarist of Faith No More, Jim Martin, um, appears as himself, introduced by Rufus as Sir James Martin, head of the Faith No More Spiritual and Theological Center. <laughs> and then uh, the uh, the one little, little role that I did not know, and if I hadn't done this research, I wouldn't have known. Brad Delson, the Lincoln Park guitarist, appears as an extra. Huh. Yeah. That I did not know. Well, now you didn't do, know you that. Go back. He had to have been like 10 or 12 or something. Yeah, I couldn't even find a clip of it. I mean, I found a clip where like it said that he's in the scene, but I didn't see a clip of wow. him specifically. All right. That's funny. Now, I told you guys that the first movie was the highest rated of all, or the highest, uh, made the most money. Um, grossing. Yes, highest grossing. Thank you for fixing my English. All right. So this one had a budget of $38 million. First one had $10 million. Any guesses as to the uh, the, the uh, income of this movie? Or, excuse me. I'm sorry. I messed it up. I read my notes backwards. Had a budget of twenty million. It made thirty-eight million. I ruined my own test. I was going to guess forty, so I was okay. Yeah. So, all right. Any questions so far about <laughs> the first two movies? That was a uh, a duel, a duality. I don't know what the term would be for two movies in a series, and I know a trilogy is three. Just, just, just two films, okay. Professor. Why you got to make it complicated there, Avril? Do we have any more questions before I move on? This will be on the exam. There is no written exam, but if you really want it, I could come up with it. So I will send you a syllabi to your company email. Sorry. Have either one of you seen Bill and Ted face the music? 
No. No. All right. So I did. I watched it. And it I heard it was actually really good. I heard it was it was very funny. It added nothing <laughs> to my life. <laughs> so it was a fine movie. And the thing about it is there were um, you had Keanu and Alex playing different versions of themselves in different universes and all. It was fun to see them in different, you know, uh, different settings and muscle suits and, and whatnot. That was fine. It came out during the pandemic. It was actually supposed to be released before, and then pandemic happened, so they delayed it. Then it came out during the pandemic, and it was okay. It was, it was okay. So something I've learned from doing this show with you and, and the other shows we do is I love your use of the word fine. Like, that is your go-to word when something is not bad, but it's not very good either. You're like, it's, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It didn't offend me, but I don't like it. <laughs> we okay. I do want to stop you. We don't have shows. We have another show, which is breakdowns for breakfast. And what you can't find there is actually everything you'd get from podbean.com where you can get at least you can get one month of free podcast hosting services with the, using the code danger Sarge. Okay. So since neither one of you have seen face the music, I'm going to talk about it because I did see it. And you two are going to listen. You're captivated. You're stuck here with your headphones. You can't go anywhere. Uh, you guys suck. <laughs> That's YouTube clickbait, damn it. Oh, all right. All right. So this one was directed by Dean Pariso. Another director. Different director. All right. So the script was laid out as early as 2010 but production was not confirmed to start until 2018. And then it wrapped and uh, was ready to roll out about the time the pandemic started. And so then it delayed and so forth and so on. So, all right. Premise of the movie is very simple. Bill and Ted are now middle-aged parents. They have not realized their uh, music to establish the utopian society. Now, one of the things I will say is that the beginning part of the movie, and for anybody listening... Uh, this is going to be full of spoilers. I'm just going to spoiler warning now. Just going to go ahead and put it out there. If you haven't seen the first two, then you've had plenty of time to do it. If you haven't done it yet, you don't want to, and that's fine. If you haven't seen Face the Music, you don't want to, that's fine. And I don't, I'm, it's okay. So, at the beginning of the movie, it's, I don't know, probably, I don't know, 15 minutes of Bill and Ted, um, you know, doing Wild Stallions and putting out albums upon albums of different things everything from a eddie van halen to a uh where they just are both playing whirly gigs and making music talent. they're just trying all sorts of different things so all right they are warned by the great leader and rufus's daughter kelly which do you know the uh, connection of the name kelly to rufus yes i do that is george carlin's actual daughter's name right yes. they wanted to get george carlin's daughter but she didn't want to do it or she's not an actress or something so they just named her after her right well the uh the character kelly is named after her but she actually does appear as an extra which is a leader of kelly or a follower of kelly so she does appear in the movie but she and does she's right there next to brad delson and they're working on the next lincoln park record yes exactly exactly and uh, they're next to the bases from the Go-Go's. 
Joan of Arc. Yes, Joan of Arc. All right. So Bill and Ted, uh, they're, they're told they've got a very limited amount of time to do it. So Bill and Ted decide to travel to their future to try to find their song, uh, but, are hunt, but are hunted by a time-traveling robot. Kelly warns their teenage daughters, Billy and Thea, about the issue. And the two girls go off to the past to help the band create the great song. Blah, blah, blah. Do you think the original intention had this film not come out during the pandemic, actually went to theaters, actually had like a box office success? Do you think they would have continued with the daughters? Like, do you think they would have done almost like a spinoff with those two? Sarge, you look like you got something to say. While it's, I think it would be feasible to do that if there was a big enough box office gain or even just with sheer popularity of it all. Uh, I think that would be something that would be like uh, almost like a straight to DVD release or maybe a streaming service release if they were to do that. I mean, think about it this way. They did four John, four John Wick films with the fifth on the way, I think. Yeah. And it's also I think the got- fifth one is ballerina. But anyways, they came out with the Peacock three-part episode called The Continental. Which is really good. I recommend it. It is really good. I'm going to go through and watch it a second time because the more I think about some of the stuff that goes on in the actual John Wick movies versus what happened. Anyways, it's not a John Wick episode, but I digress. But yeah, it would probably end up being a a straight-to-streaming service type deal. So... I think it probably, I think this probably would have actually come out in theaters, but maybe it would have done better, but it also would have gone to streaming very shortly after to try to get an extra boost. I think the entire audience for Bill and Ted is um, at minimum our age, if not a little bit older. I, I think the audience for Bill and Ted is at a point to where they want the convenience of streaming more than anything else right now. As the oldest person in this group, I take offense to that. You should. I actually saw a commercial for uh, Netflix uh, from a 90s page that I follow on Instagram about like when they used to send you DVDs in the mail. Oh, yeah. I remember that. Wow. (laughs) uh, Netflix just announced that they're actually going to be doing brick and mortar stores. Now it's unclear if they're going to be selling DVDs or what, whatever. But I've heard that for a while. I don't know if that's actually happening. I it's there. There's something else. Maybe now. I don't know. I don't know what they would sell there. I mean, they're we're coming full circle with stupidity. That is what we're doing. Yep. I mean, we go from corded earbuds to cordless earbuds, and now you can get a lanyard to put on your earbuds so you don't lose your earbuds, so you make them a corded earbud again. And now we're going from blockbuster video to streaming services. Back to Blockbuster Video. Well, I mean, uh, Blockbuster actually had the opportunity to buy Netflix at one time, and they passed And their biggest mistake ever. So there's a a great documentary about Blockbuster and the death of Blockbuster. Um, I I think it's just called uh, The Last Blockbuster, and they talk about uh, all of those things that happened with Blockbuster. Blockbuster made a lot more mistakes than just passing on Netflix. So... Yeah, charging me $3 for not rewinding a tape. That was a mistake. Oh, well, their biggest mistake they actually made to their business model was they had no more late fees. <laughs> and then it was, now we're just going to rent a movie and keep it forever. That's fine. Well, see, I didn't have that problem with Blockbuster or Hollywood Video, which was my 
rental. Ooh, Hollywood video. Nice. Uh, We were a little bit, you know, upper class. Uh, So we had the rewinding machine. You know what I'm that talking about? Like a car? Tell me it's yeah. yes. like a car. Yes, it looked like a Corvette. It was red. You put that tape in there. Boy, that thing was rewound in about 30 seconds. Oh, yeah. Uh, it was loud as shit, too. So, it sounded like a Corvette. So I actually, uh, I actually went to a Hollywood video um, that was around the corner from my apartment at the time, and I uh, rented Polly Shore's Dead, which was a terrible movie. Stop with the Polly Shore <laughs> and and the Mexican, and then I went to go return them, and the Hollywood video had closed <laughs> within the time that I'd rented the movies, and then I got a bill in the mail for each movie for like I don't know like six months of late fees, and I called and I was like, so what's what's gonna happen? There's nowhere for me to return these, and they were like, well then we'll just keep charging you a late fee. I was like but I'm not going to pay it because I tried to return these movies and your business closed on itself. Like it's just, it's done. And I still haven't paid it. And as far as I know, Hollywood video is still racking up that total somewhere. I don't know. I'm not concerned with it. I got them in a box somewhere down here in the basement. You know what? You have no one to blame, but yourself for renting a Polly Shore movie. I mean, that's what did you think was going to happen? Nothing was, good could happen. <laughs> I was curious about the movie. So let's talk about this movie since this is what this is about. So, all right. <laughs> all right. So Bill and Ted both are uh, played by Keanu and Alex once again. And the entire role of Rufus is taken over by Christian Shaw, which um, I like Christian Shaw, but she's pretty much mm-hmm. one note. Like she plays the same thing all the time. And I think mm-hmm. it's just her voice is what gives that. So, all right. George Carlin does appear as a, uh, a hologram when they're going through uh, in the future and Bill and Ted are going through in the future and they see their um, phone booth and all that. So, but also in this movie is the man, Dave Grohl himself that plays. Yes. Himself. Yeah. So William Sadler does come back as the grim reaper and, Bridget Lundy Payne and Samra Weaving are Billy Logan and uh, Thea Preston, respectively, of course. Um, which it wasn't until after they started filming that um, Keanu Reeves actually realized and found out that Sandra Weaving is the niece of Hugo Weaving, who he was in The Matrix with. So I was just getting ready to ask if there was any relation because I. Uh- I didn't think about that with their last names until just now. Yep. And, uh, That's cool. Yeah, it's it's kind of cool to find out that actors are not given, um, you know, any sort of leg up because their family members are also in movies. Because uh, she, mystic. She doesn't have any. I don't know her being in anything before or after this. So, uh, but wasn't there wasn't there another person in there that was there as himself? Other than Dave Grohl, I mean, there were several uh, several musicians that um, at the end of the movie when they were kind of going through all different people, there were a couple people like Kid okay. Kid Cudi, Kid Cuddy. I don't, I don't know who that is. Yeah, Kid um, Cuddy. Yeah. So, um, and he actually got uh, wrapped up in playing himself in the movie and actually played almost a uh, fictional version of himself. So, <laughs> yeah. All right, Jake Tapper. Helped with casting a uh, an undisclosed number 
of extras using the Wounded Warrior Project and the Bill and Ted Face the Music. So a lot of the extras were played by former veterans. It's kind of cool. As a former veteran, Sarge, I figured you'd like that. I'm not a former veteran. That would imply I'm dead. Well, you're a veteran. You're a current veteran. (laughs) Good God. Yes, yes. I think that's actually pretty awesome that they did do that. Yeah, yeah. And I could not find how many of the extras or where the the extras were placed and whatnot, but I had extras for it were. I had no idea that Brad Delson from Lincoln Park served in the military. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So I'm going to get my numbers right on this one. Remember, it came out during the pandemic. It had a $25 million budget, which is part of the reason why they could not get somebody better to write the very subpar song that united the world at the end of this movie. It was kind of a big letdown there. So uh, it was this whole thing about how they uh, found out they were going to make this song at a certain place, and they came back to the present on a highway at the mile marker that was that coincided with the number. And then they uh, used a button to, you know, transport themselves all throughout time and get everybody throughout time playing a very underwhelming and subpar song. You would think that they could have gotten Dave Grohl, who was already in the movie, to uh, to write the song, but on a $25 million budget, they couldn't afford somebody like Paul McCartney or whoever to write the song. So, does anybody want to take a stab at the overall box office um, intake on this one? <laughs> Zero. There yep. was no box office. Well, I mean, it was it was like straight to streaming service. Yeah, it made money from streaming and video on demand and whatnot. How so. do you? What? I don't know. A million dollars. I, I was gonna say sixty-five bucks. I don't know. Six point three million. So, <laughs> so while the first two had a is that recovery. considered a flop? Yes. Okay. Good. But, <laughs> but there is a possible fourth film coming. Of course there is. All right, before we get to the fourth film, Samara Weaving, right? She looked familiar when I looked her up. Yep. And here's why I she looked familiar to me. She's been in a bunch of stuff. Ash, Ash vs. the Evil Dead, three episodes. Okay. That was a great series. Uh, I don't remember in that, but... Monster Truck. Don't see that. No. See that was the one with the space alien that took over trucks. It was like a kid's movie. It was pretty cool. Okay. Um that one. Three, three billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri. The Babysitter, Ready or Not, Guns Akimbo. Babysitter, Ready or Not. See, she's horror. Yeah. Yeah. Babysitter, babysitter Killer Queen. Uh, Snake Eyes, the movie Snake Eyes. She was in that. So, yeah, she's been she's been a yeah. few recently coming out Scream 6. Didn't they? Didn't Scream was 6? Her least, yes, yeah, the most recent to oh, yeah. come out for her was yeah, Scream 6. Yeah, it came out. Okay, then I have seen her in other things, and I just didn't know. So yeah, my I, I recognize her, but yeah, just yeah, she's got a striking resemblance to uh, what is it? Uh, Hugo Weaving Harley from Quinn. The Matrix. No, no, uh, the, the lady that the lady that played uh, um, Harley Quinn, Margot Robbie. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, she's got a good resemblance to it. She could be a Margaret Robbie is kind of in a league all her own. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say no, but I'm not going to say yes. Yeah, that's how we're going to get out of that one. Way to be indecisive. 
I, uh, I come from the people of maybe. Mm. I come from the clan of possibly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, all right. So the fourth film is not out of the question. Um, Winter and Reeves said in an interview it would be up to the fans. And uh, the uh, writer, Ed Solomon, said it would be a movie just centered around Billy and Thea, the daughters. So that's, they, would, they yeah. would take over the next step of it. Yeah, that's what I figured. I think that's probably one of the biggest reasons why they were actually introduced. Because yeah, you know, at the end of the second movie, you saw Bill and Ted hold up hold up babies and go, it's Billy, it's or it's Bill, it's Ted. And so it wasn't said they were boys specifically. And so, you know, that, yeah. Um, um, I, got so, the, I don't care about the fourth film of Bill and Ted. Well, so, again, like I said, I haven't seen it, but I, I did watch some, like, clip shows and some YouTube channels that I like to follow that did some stuff on these movies. And it seemed like the consensus was... This movie was obviously made by people who loved the franchise. Right. Keanu Reeves doesn't have to make this movie. Yep. Alex Winter is he hasn't acted in years. He didn't have to make this movie. It they was did it obviously because they a movie it. that he hasn't acted in a long time. Right. They did it because they love the source material. They love these characters. They were doing it because they were having fun. Right. So I would be interested to see what they do with the daughters just because if they bring that same energy into it, I could see it being kind of fun for a new generation. Alex mm-hmm. Winter, Keanu Reeves just pop up for a couple scenes here or there. I, I think that if you like try to sort of do, yeah, I think yeah. if you try to do a fourth movie with Alex Winter and Keanu Reeves, mm-hmm. you start getting into that dumb and dumber territory where they, they're too old to be these people and it just feels gross. Well, like, you know what I mean? Like, does that make sense? I, I, yeah. I consider it to be like the lethal weapon paradox, right? Like lethal weapon one, two and three were great, but then a lethal weapon four, they were so damn old trying to do the same shenanigans and lethal weapon four that you're just like, yeah, no, that, that movie was no good. None whatsoever. Yeah, and Lethal Weapon 4 when he said, I'm getting too old for this shit. Yeah, no shit. You are yeah, too yeah, old. Yeah, you are. Yeah, you were too old in the first one, All Danny right. Glover. So, Alex, I, I think you're you're right, Monster, that it was kind of a, a love for the project, a passion project, if you will. Yeah. Alex Winter, you could tell he hadn't acted in a while. He, he wasn't on top of it. And uh, Keanu just... It's almost like he he's gotten so far away from the... Uh, the surfer dude, I mean, he says it's not a stoner comedy, but let's be real. It's a stoner comedy. And yeah, yeah it's a stoner comedy with no weed, which is kind of right. interesting. So it's like, he's gotten so far away from the Bill and Ted character, from the, the, uh, the Bill character, the Ted character. Sorry. He's got so far away from the, Ted the same guy. I'm telling you. <laughs> so before that he was in, uh, he was in parenthood, which he played the same character, like the same. Yep. same thing. Yep. So he's done so much and grown so much as an actor. I mean, he was basically John wick being, <laughs> being Ted. Yeah. It's, it, it's funny because Keanu Reeves literally went from being the like, yeah, dude, like right. surfer guy to Whoa. <laughs> like, 
the whoa dude in the matrix <laughs> he was like still the surfer dude but trying to be an action star and he didn't really make the full leap to action star until the john wick series i mean kind of reasons i think he's always been a decent actor but he's definitely he's definitely changed but he's also one of those that when you're casting Keanu Reeves, you kind of know what you're getting. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> like, 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 like when they brought him into the Cyberpunk 2077 franchise game, right? Um, they had, like, I, I remember we, I, I think we did an episode on Cyberpunk, but I think it's definitely or, come or, up or, I think we did one where Cyberpunk came up a lot, but I don't remember if yeah. we on Cyberpunk. So I, I, mean, I did a lot of research in it, and like the early concept art when they were doing Johnny Silverhand they drew him exactly to look like Keanu Reeves that and that's why when Keanu Reeves decided he was going to actually voice Johnny Silverhand like everyone was super stoked for that yeah if I'm, any go on sorry oh, I was just going to say if anybody wants to get a feel for Keanu Reeves acting chops. Just watch Bram Stoker's Dracula. That was one of the next things. I was gonna <laughs> yeah, up. yeah. Um, that is it's that is rough. If you think your friend does a bad uh, English impression or English uh, accent, watch that movie. Keanu I Reeves. genuinely, I genuinely like that movie for a lot of reasons, and he is not one of them. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's fair. That's fair. I've watched that movie quite a few times wanting to like it you know i do like the fact that a lot of the effects are done in camera and very practical which is really cool but that's that's for another episode i yeah. could go yeah. on about that for a long time so i will save of course my you comments could. all right so let's talk about where bill and ted went to tv so oh no let's don't <laughs> in 1992 there was bill and ted's excellent adventures which was a live action series oh it had none of the cast from the film Except William Sadler reprised his role from the show, from the movies, in an episode or two of the show. But William Sadler brought back his Grim Reaper in the episode The Assassin of the 1994 Tales from the Crypt. Which that's cool. Yeah. So because of that, Tales from the Crypt is canon in the Bill and Ted universe. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. That makes me happy. I can dig it. So, Bill and Ted, uh, Christopher Kennedy played Bill and Evan Richards played Ted. And they also voiced and uh, voiced the, uh, Bill and Ted in the animated show, which will come up. But the, the live-action show only aired seven episodes on Fox in 1992. Just seven. Well, I was going to say, I'm not familiar with the yeah. animated one. Yeah. So, um, they, uh, they were in the animated show which ran on um, on Dick, <laughs> which was produced by Dick, and uh, uh, it premiered on Hanna-Barbera. <laughs> I'm Hanna sorry? Barbera. Yep. So, all right. It had a comic book just like everything else did. Every If it was a popular movie in the 90s, it had a comic book. Cool. 12 issues. That's all it got. Um, and it was uh, published by DC Comics. I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> Thank I, you for your honesty. I, I can say that I never actually have cared about a comic spinoff or comic run of a popular movie or whatever. There was a serial. All right. Awkward there, silence. All right. No, no. There was a serial. 
a Bill and Ted cereal. If anybody out there can find a box of Bill and Ted cereal, please find it and send it to me. Had a short run. Um, it was mostly um, sugar ways and promotions for the cereal. But yeah, uh, probably. I feel like it was probably like a a, a kicks with a lot of no. It had to have marshmallows. A kicks with marshmallows. Seventeen dollars. I can I can get a box for seventeen dollars right now. What does it look like? Does it have marshmallows or does it look like kicks? I'm, hold on. I'm hold on. I'm heading to eBay. Just just buy it. We'll all eat it. If it's unopened, oh. it. but if it's open, oh. it's stale. <laughs> it looks like the Applejack O's with music note marshmallows. Ah, I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> Is it unopened? We'll each send you $6. We'll live stream us eating it. <laughs> no, I want to do that. Puke loses. <laughs> <laughs> but nobody talks. <laughs> no, no, just us eating cereal. Yeah. All right. I could not find how long it ran, but there was a musical in 1998 called Bill and Ted's Excellent Jesus. I could not find any information on it. Um, I I don't think it made it to Broadway. I feel like it's an off-Broadway production. I'm sure it was. Yeah, I'm sure it was a high school production. All right. There were video games. Yes! There were video (laughs) games released for DOS, Commodore 64, and the Amiga systems in 1989. And then uh, the Atari... Also got one, but it was based off of the Saturday morning cartoon that yeah. uh, that the guys from the live action series uh, did voices for. There was an NES game that came out. It was uh, based on the movies, not the uh, the show. There was a Game Boy game that came out. There was a action puzzle game that was loosely based on Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. So basically, that tells me that it had nothing to do with it at all. There was a mobile game that came out called Wild Stallions in 2018. And that was it, except for for video games and other media. If yeah. if anybody who's interested, the Angry Video Game Nerd does a really good episode on the Bill and Ted game for Nintendo. Very funny. That game is ridiculous and just the stuff that got published for Nintendo, Nintendo is just mind-boggling. <laughs> well, it was, you know, pretty much open source at one point, and so, you know, everybody jumped on board with it. I'm pretty sure it was LJN, but I can't remember, because LJN did a lot of movie tie-in games, and they were all atrocious. Um, for the NES, it was LJN, yep. Yeah, that, that tracks yep. 100%. All right. So, going to round out Bill and Ted, and we're going to talk about Halloween Horror Nights at Universal Studios. Bill and Ted were featured in an annual live-action show at Hollywood Horror Nights that runs during October. That's a bucket list thing. I've always wanted to do that. Yep, I would love to do it as well. Typically, typically the show parodied the past year's worth of notable pop culture events, um, featuring locally cast performers as title characters. In 2013, Universal Hollywood, or Universal Studios Hollywood, Bill and Ted's Excellent Halloween Adventure was canceled, following allegations from Jamie Lee Curtis that um, of homophobia and racism. And that year showed, and that year show, the show continued in Universal Studios Florida until 2017, and that has been it for Bill and Ted. And we had face the music, but it was not really good. 
there may be a fourth film, but we'll see. Um, I I kind of have mixed feelings on Jamie Lee Curtis, so yeah, I just I she was uh, she was really good in two episodes of The Bear that she was in, but I I, I mean obviously the original Halloween classic, yep. new stuff is kind of meh for me. Yeah. I I didn't really care for her in anything else, so I don't really take her opinion all that seriously. I don't either. <laughs> I, I did I did watch the Haunted Mansion movie, which um is based actually on the ride more of, and it was actually a fairly decent yeah, movie. Yeah, you said the new one. The new one, yeah. Not the and one with Eddie Murphy. She's in it? She is um so in the ride there is the uh, crystal ball with the woman's yeah, inside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she is she's that character. Oh, okay. Well and well, she, I, I she, can tell right that. She does good for that. I mean and it's actually a fairly decent movie. And I'm I'm a lover of uh Disney World and especially the behind the scenes stuff, just always have yeah. liked it. Um and so when there was a Haunted Mansion movie coming out that was more like the ride instead of the, yeah. uh, that um Eddie Murphy bullshit that came out before could, yeah could really, my I like could it. my four year old watch it yes okay yeah she would she would probably dig that yeah cool it's uh Good to know. um Rosario, Good to know. Rosario Dawson is in it um, oh I like her yeah she's awesome and uh Jared Leto's in it but he plays more of like a mocap kind of character um uh, kind cool. of makes sense but yeah he's uh he's not a terrible actor except for no when, I like him I like him except for when he plays the Joker yeah yeah so yeah, all right okay Sarge, what have you been up to? What are you watching? What are you reading? Uh, what have I been up to lately? Uh, I've been keeping up on current events in the news because there's just a whole bunch of yeah fire being set to the world right now. Um, reading, yeah, uh, that is the reading. I did just read a book on thermobaric technology. Oh God! Um, sure, we. We've all read it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, shit. thermo, you know, fire, barrack, air, turning turning air into fire. Great. Yeah, it's just new technology stuff coming out. It's, uh, That's you, about it. You trying to hone your Dragon Ball Z skills or your, um, your uh, Street Fighter skills? <laughs> no, but see, my, my children, I've been playing a lot of uh, teacher at home with the kids doing their homework and stuff like that. I mean, I ruler or no ruler, no, no ruler. So here's the thing. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I do. Did this you, is the part that kills me, right? Sorry, go on. And I, I got a there, fact that just I learned last night randomly, but go on. The um, so when your kids go from uh, middle school to high school, at least in the county schools where I'm at, right? They make your kids. They don't make your kids. Let me put that. They let your kids sign up for any class they want, advanced placement and honors included. Mm-hmm. So my do. kids are on the they, my kids are on the damn struggle bus right now. Like there is no way you should be in advanced placement in some subjects and honors in some subjects. Like you used to have to test for that when I went to school. So I'm sitting here like, like there's a, tell me about Hobbs and Locke, Dad. I'm sorry, who? Hobbs and Locke. Hobbs and Shaw, great movie. <laughs> so I had to do like a crash course in, in in Hobbs and Locke just so I could help my daughter do her work. It's like, no, I'm not supposed to be going to school. I don't believe in homework. Homework is you should teach the kids while they're in school. 
And if you didn't teach them everything they needed to know that day, that's your damn fault. Don't send them home before schoolwork. All right. Yeah. Can, can you give us 10 seconds on Hobbs and Locke? Because I'm now curious. <laughs> they were they were influencers in the Declaration of Independence. All right, cool. I'm writing of the Constitution and all that stuff. Okay. I feel like I actually knew that at some point. It was probably recessed somewhere in there. But all right, Monster, what have you been up to? What have you been reading? What have you been watching? You know, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, take this time to plug some of my buddies real quick. I've mentioned before on this show that I've I've played guitar in a lot of different bands, and and one of the groups is called Game Breaks, features a couple of hip hop artists, Omega Sparks and Swats. Um, they are actually nominated for a Grammy, cool. which is just unbelievable um they did the intro music for an aew wrestler that is being considered for grammy nomination uh i I can't remember the exact category like music for a presentation music for a you know what i mean like it's not music for a show it's not music for a movie it's music for a specific whatever grammy has all kinds of categories um they do they got a lot of categories they do. They do. Uh, what you see on TV versus all the categories they actually have Grammys for is, you know, that's only a small portion of it. But uh, I feel truly honored that I have played guitar with these guys on stage, on record, and they're they're being considered for a Grammy. Like, that's really, really cool. And uh, so shout out to Omega Sparks and Swats. If you like hip hop, if you like nerdcore rap, check them out. That's yeah, that, that made me feel really cool. When I saw them post that, I was like, I know I'm not like on the track that is being, you know, considered. But still, just I just feel like honored that I'm friends with those guys and play with those guys. Honor by proxy. Take it. Yeah, I'm going to steal a little bit of their thunder. Like, hey, those are my buddies. I got their cell phone numbers, bruh. So <laughs> what I'm going to start doing is be, like tell people, like, hey, I know a guy that played with guys that are being nominated for Grammy. Like, he, like, the guy that I know is not on what's being nominated, but he is playing nope. with them. No offense, Sanger, and sorry to you two. I can't believe you two haven't started throwing that around. I am like... D tier level celebrity at this point. I think you're like G. <laughs> <laughs> What's lower than F? G? All right, I'll take it. <laughs> at least you're not like an I or an H or something. So I have done local commercials and played guitar on like a couple albums. <laughs> so, all right. What about you, Danger? What have you been up to other than painting? Yeah, I've, I've been uh, painting the fiance's dad's house. Uh, but uh, the quick fun fact, if you will, that I learned of, uh, that I mentioned a minute ago is: uh, Did you know that it is still 100% legal to institute corporal punishment in public schools in 12 states? Is North Carolina one of those states? No, I don't know the 12 shame. states, but I know North Carolina and Virginia are not those. That's states. a damn shame. Yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, um, still continuing my ghost adventures train. Um, loving that new season just came on, so I'm uh, getting my fill there. And I've uh, been really just trying to listen to the albums that we're doing for breakdowns for breakfast and uh, various other podcasts. I'm trying to get caught up on while I'm painting. That's pretty much where I'm at. I don't know anybody that's being nominated for a Grammy, but I know a guy that knows a guy. <laughs> 
So, with that being said... Yes, you do. <laughs> with that being said, thank you everybody for listening. Thank you for returning for Season 5. Uh, we are pretty stoked to still be here. Um, and I guess we're here as long as we'll make it. <laughs> as long as we'll make these things. They're going yep. to be put out. So, As right. long as they keep paying me, I'll keep showing up. They're not paying me, so what are you getting? Trust me. You're being paid in Werther's, aren't you? <laughs> in Werther's? Werther's hard candies. What? <laughs> Damn. Yeah. Damn it. How did you know? Think you. <laughs> <laughs> they all come out of a grandma's dish and are, they've been sitting on her coffee table for 20 If you ever wonder why there's a long pause, it's because my filling is coming out from eating a Charleston <laughs> chew. <laughs> All right, thank you all for coming back and listening to us. If you have an idea for a topic that you'd like to hear, send us an email at dangerandsergeantgmail.com or send us a message across one of our various platforms, Facebook, uh, Danger and Sarge. I believe that one is the ampersand. Danger and Sarge on X, not Twitter, it's X. And, uh, Insta yeah, and Instagram as well. So, Insta-ho. All right, what are we talking about for the, uh, the next letter? For C. Letter C. C for Castlevania. Right. All right. Uh. All right. Well, tune in for C is for Castlevania. Do, 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 do. Until next time. <laughs> bye. Later. Later. It's over. Done. Done.